church, I'm excited today. Um, and I'm excited because uh, this is the last time, at least uh, for the foreseeable future, the short term, that I'm going to be uh, delivering a sermon to you this way. Uh, beginning next Sunday, June the 7th, we're going to gather again as a family of faith in the brick building up on the hill. Uh, we're going to gather as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. And so if you uh, are not at risk, um, if you uh, are comfortable gathering together once again, uh, let me encourage you to help us know that you're coming so that we can gauge your attendance and, and prepare accordingly. And you can find that sign-up link once again and details about our gathering plan on MeadowbrookBaptist.org. Uh, visit our website, sign up, read the plan. Let's abide by it together. Let's uh, love and care for one another in this way. Uh, there's going to be three services beginning next Sunday. Uh, for at least the month of June, we'll have an 8 o'clock, 9.30, 11 a.m. They'll all be identical services. Uh, they'll be short, 45-minute, family-friendly services. So if you've got little ones, even though we don't have child care right away, uh, come on. Uh, come casual. It's going to be casual. It's going to be a family atmosphere. Uh, we want to gather to see each other, to worship together, to exalt our Savior together. But uh, if you are at risk or you've been ill or you've been around someone who is either of those, let me encourage you to continue participating with us online, uh, worshiping the Lord together, opening his word together, hearing from him. So today we're going to open his word. Now let me invite you to open up God's word with me to look at his word, John chapter 14, as we finish up uh, our message series, Comfort in Quarantine. So picking up where we left off last week, we've been looking at Jesus's words, familiar words to his disciples on the day before he's crucified. Uh, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Uh, he tells them about the Father's house, uh, about the many rooms there. And he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. In John chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus responds to Thomas. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, last week, we, we focused in on Jesus being the way. Jesus clearly said here, I am the way to the Father. I am the way to the Father. The Father here is a reference to God. Uh, elsewhere, the Bible says uh, that Jesus uh, told his listeners, he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, he says, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Your Father, your Heavenly Father, for, for those who are, are people of faith, those who believe in Him and worship the true and living God, He says, your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Then He goes on and He says, this then is how you should pray to Him. This is how you should pray. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, in an orderly home, uh, kids submit to their Father and their father lovingly leads the family. So to say that God is our father implies that he has authority over us. But not only that he has authority over us, but that he invites us into a warm and intimate uh, fellowship relationship with him. That he cares for us, that he loves us. When Jesus says that he is the way to the father, he is saying that he provides the way or the path to God. Jesus provides us the path to God. 
He provides us the path to God. You see, uh, we are estranged from God because of our sin, because we've run from him, we've turned against him, we've uh, disregarded him and gone our own way. Uh, All of humanity has ever since Adam and Eve uh, did in the garden. We've uh, followed their their path. We've we've run from God. And and Jesus provides us a way back to the Father, uh, a path back to a reconciled relationship with our maker. Jesus provides the path. And friends, Jesus is the path, which means through Jesus, we can be reconciled fully to God. We can be made right with our maker and restored by his grace. We can be uh, cleansed and forgiven with no guilt hanging over us. Because on the cross, Jesus took our guilt upon himself. He took our guilt and he, he, he paid the penalty. He received the judgment for it. And in exchange, He's given us his position. He's given us his righteousness, his right standing before the Father. And he's the only way, which means that that we can only be reconciled to God through Jesus. For salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to, my, given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus provides the path to God and he shows us the truth about God. Jesus answered, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So not only does Jesus provide us the path to God, but Jesus shows us the truth about God. Jesus shows us the truth about God. Now in this broader section, uh, John ensures that we hear Jesus' words to his disciples about another helper, uh, one that Jesus calls the Spirit of Truth, John chapter 14, verse 17, who will guide you in all the truth, John chapter 16, verse 13. In other words, all truth is God's truth. All truth ultimately finds its origin, its source in him. Uh, And John is saying that uh, God reveals this truth. He shows us his truth um, through his Spirit, a.k.a. God's Spirit the Holy Spirit, who comes, who equips, who empowers his people to know him and to live for him. And so what is Jesus saying here? Uh, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will come after his departure, after Jesus uh, is crucified, resurrection, re- resurrected, uh, and ascends back to uh, his rightful place in heaven. He says the Spirit's going to come and he's going to continue the task of illuminating God's truth in the lives of his people. So in a sense, the Holy Spirit will continue something that's already begun, uh, something that Jesus, the Son of God, has already begun, and that is showing us the truth about God. So here's the message. Uh, If you want to know God, look to Jesus. Friend, if you want to know God, if you want to know God, look to to Jesus, if you want to know what God is like, look at the life of Jesus of Nazareth. He is God, the one and only in human flesh. This is the great mystery of the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, who is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, humbling himself and becoming one of us. You see in the prologue of his book, in the prologue of his gospel, beginning of his gospel, John states it this way. He says in John 1, 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace 
and truth. And so right away in his writing, John is drawing on the Old Testament's use of God's word, his speech, his communication, his, his self-expression, his revelation. Now, I've wondered uh, a number of times recently if uh, my speech or my communication in the Jones household is, is falling on uh, deaf ears um, uh, because I find myself saying things uh, that are ignored by my children because they're not what they want to hear. And so uh, they seem to have selective hearing in this way. And so what happens is I begin to elevate uh, the volume of what I'm saying and to change my tone to make sure that the message I want to communicate is is heard by them. Uh, often uh, I, I sense that at least initially my, my word is returning to me void. Not so with God. God's word never returns void, his word says. His speech always uh, communicates what he intends. When God speaks, things happen, right? Because this word is powerful and effective. We see this in the opening verses of the Bible. We see it in the very first chapter of God's word in the creation account, right? right? We read, uh, we read that, uh, uh, and God said, let there be light, right? And there was light. God said, let uh, there be a vault to separate the waters above from the waters below, and it was so. Uh, and God says, uh, let the waters below uh, be gathered to one place and be separate from the dry ground, uh, and it was so. Time and again in the creation account, we, we read this, that God says something, he speaks something, he speaks creation into existence, and it happens according to his word. So the word of God is his communication. It's his self-expression. It's his revelation. Who is the word? Well, John tells us clearly that in this verse, the word is Jesus. The son of God is the word. Jesus is the word. In other words, as the written word reveals the character and the will of God, so does Jesus the son. He reveals the father. He is divine self-expression. He is the ultimate self-disclosure of God. John goes on to say this in John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So if you want to know God, look to Jesus, for Jesus shows us the truth about God well-known and well-respected evangelical uh, scholar says this, D.A. Carson writes, he says, Jesus is the truth because he embodies the supreme revelation of God. He himself narrates God, says and does exclusively what the Father gives him to say and to do, and indeed he is properly called God. He is God's gracious self-disclosure, his word made flesh. The Apostle Paul seems to agree when he writes in Colossians chapter 1. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Likewise, the author of Hebrews writes, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You see, the Bible teaches that God is best seen, that he is best known in his Son, If you want to know God, then get to know his son. Read about Jesus. Consume 
the words of Jesus. Take in the biblical witness concerning the Christ. God has spoken. He has spoken definitively and fully through his son, Jesus, who is the greatest means of knowing God. So if you want to know God, look to Jesus. For Jesus shows us the truth about God. John is saying that through Jesus, God has spoken. He's spoken through creation. He's spoken through the scriptures. And now he's spoken through the incarnation. You see, in creation, God speaks indirectly. He speaks directly then through the scriptures or the written word. And he speaks personally in the coming of his son. This is the difference, I think, perhaps between painting a picture uh, and writing a letter and coming yourself. In Jesus, God comes himself to us. He shows himself to us. So the conversation continues on that Monday Thursday between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus goes on to say to them in John chapter 14, verse 7, he says, If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip, in verse 8, one of Jesus' disciples, he's still a little unclear here. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. In essence, he's saying, that sounds like a good idea, Jesus. Show us the Father. We'd like to see the Father. Show us the Father. Jesus answers in verse 9. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, once again, the disciples don't realize that in Jesus, God has made himself known. He has self-disclosed. He has showed himself to them. Philip wants direct access. Show us God. Jesus, show us God. And Jesus is saying, you've seen God. You've seen God because you've seen me. Just as uh, Thomas, you know the way because you know me. Now he's saying to Philip and the others, he's saying, you have seen God because you have seen me. Christ has already told them, I and the Father are one, meaning one being. Thus, a personal claim, a self-claim by Jesus of his own deity. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus shows us the truth about God. He not only instructs us in God's way, but he demonstrates God to us. He demonstrates the character and the will of God to us. You see, I've got a couple sons, Paxton and Eli. And if you spend a bit of time around them, then you're probably going to see some things in them that represent me. You might even see some physical characteristics that resemble me, but you may hear some words or some phrases that they use uh, that they've heard from me. Perhaps you'll even uh, hear uh, values that uh, I have uh, uh, worked to instill in them, or or maybe that I've unintentionally instilled in them. It works both ways, but you'll see some reflections of me in them. But I want you to know, I don't think I have to convince you that we don't always agree, that we're not always on the same page. And No doubt, as they get older, that's going to become perhaps even more obvious, right? You parents of of teenagers, uh, you see, we're not always on the same page. We're we're not always a united front. We're not always in harmony. As much as they, they resemble me in some ways, they are not me. But not so, uh, between God the Son and God the Father. 
You see, this is where this, this human relationship between fathers and sons or, or parents and children uh, breaks down because uh, my sons have not been here as long as I have, uh, just like I haven't been here as long as my father has. But God the Son has been around just as long as God the Father. And in God the Son, we see some things about the Father. In Jesus, we, we see things about who God is. We see God's character and his will demonstrated. And in Jesus, we learn that God is personal. That he's a personal God. That he's a a God who desires to communicate with his creatures and to be known by them. Friend, I want you to know God desires to be known by you. He wants you to know him. In Jesus, we see that God is holy and that he's just. We see that his standard is perfection and that only those who are holy can enter into the fullness of his presence. And of course, Jesus is the only one who in his earthly life lives a holy life. He demonstrates God's holy character through a sinless life. Jesus demonstrates God's justice by his death on the cross for our sins. Our sins are paid for. He takes the penalty. He receives the judgment of God, even the the wrath of God for our sins, because God is a holy God and God is a just God. But in Jesus, we also learn that God is a God of mercy, that he's full of mercy. For he came to earth, God came to earth, Christ came to earth out of love for us to give his life to atone for our sins, to cover our sins in order that we might have true life in him. Jesus provides us the path to God. He shows us the truth about God. And finally, Jesus grants us life from God. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of true and lasting life. In in Jesus, we have life from God, and he can do so because together with the Father and the Spirit, he is the source of all life. All life finds its origin in God himself. Apart from him, there is no life. See, like shutting off a utility main to a house eliminates the supply throughout the house. So if God ceased to exist, so would we. If your power is shut off to your house, your your outlets don't work anymore. If your water supply is cut off, then your faucets quickly run out of water. And likewise, if God were somehow to cease to exist, so would we. We are dependent upon him for life. John says, uh, through the word, all things were made. John chapter 1. He says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And for this reason, life is precious. From life is valuable, your life is valuable because it comes from God according to his will. And as we've seen, I think, time and time again from God's word, human life, human life is especially precious and valuable because humans alone are made in the image of God. We are set apart. We're distinct. We're the crown of God's creation. We're, we're made to be in relationship with him. We're made to know him. So let's be a people, church, who champion life because Our maker champions life. Let's be a people who speak up for unborn babies and for unjustly treated black men like George Floyd, who senselessly lost his life this last Monday night as he cried out for help. Let's be a people who are not silent, who speak up and out against abortion and against racism. Let's be a people who speak up also for persecuted Christians around the world. 
Let's be a people who speak up for victims of human trafficking and victims of child abuse. Let's be a people who value human life, all of it, because our Lord is the giver of life and he's the the sustainer of life and ultimately he's the redeemer of life through Jesus Christ. You see, the life Jesus grants is abundant life here and now, a reconciled relationship with God, the joy and delight and assurance that we've been pardoned of our sins, that we're forgiven of our sins, that our guilt's been washed away, that we are right with our maker, but also eternal life with God forevermore. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, the thief, referring to the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, when one of Jesus' friends was grieving, when a grieved uh, Martha expressed sorrow over Jesus' absence during her brother uh, Lazarus, uh, Lazarus' final critical hours uh, before his death, Jesus said to her in John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He said, do you believe this? Friend, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? John wants his readers to know without a shadow of a doubt that life comes from knowing Jesus. Yes, that life flows from Yahweh, the God who just is, the one who said, I am who I am. Life flows from him. It it, it finds its origin in him, but also everlasting life. That everlasting life, eternal life, flows to those who trust in Yahweh incarnate, Yahweh in the flesh, the one we now know as Jesus the Christ. So friend, do you know the Savior? Do you know this Jesus who grants us life from God. John says, this is why Jesus came. John says, this is why he died. John says, this was the mission he accomplished for us. For John has already said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And the son was not simply some some messenger sent from God. He was God in the flesh. He was God here on earth to do for us what we could never do on our own. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then near the end of his book, near the end of his gospel, John pauses once again to express his purpose in writing. He doesn't want us to miss it. John chapter 20, verse 30, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. In other words, John is saying, uh, as a disciple, as, as a follower of Jesus, a friend of Jesus, I saw Jesus do all sorts of other things that I've not even written down here. He performed other signs, other miracles that testified to his identity as the Messiah. I haven't recorded all of them. I couldn't record all of them. But he says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, Jesus grants us life from God. He gives us life. He gives us abundant life, eternal life. He he grants us life from God. We 
must believe it. We have to receive it. Do you believe it? Have you received it? Friend, if not, let me invite you now to bow before God and to express your faith in Jesus. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. In other words, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and who the scriptures attest him to be, if you believe that he is the Son of God and Savior of the world and you express your desire to submit to him and to follow him, then you will be saved. You will be forgiven of your sins. So, friend, if you're watching today, whether or not you're connected to Meadowbrook Baptist Church or not, and you're hearing this message and you can say today, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm right with God, that I'm the recipient of eternal life. Let me, let me invite you now to bow where you are, to pause now, to settle that with God, to cry out to God to save you, to, to pray a prayer, something like this, saying, dear God, I've sinned against you. I've run from you. I've gone my own way. I've, I've lived my life without regard for you. But I believe that you have sent a Savior, Jesus, to pay the penalty for my sin and to offer me forgiveness. I believe in him. I want to follow him. I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Help me follow him. And friend, I want you to know, if you've, if you've done that today, if you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, and if you haven't, do so now. Cry out to him to save you. Let me urge you, let me plead with you, let me beckon you to, to cry out to God to save you in Jesus. That Jesus is the way and he's the only way. He's the giver of life, eternal life. To cry out to him to save you. But if you've done so today, if you've trusted in Christ for salvation today, we encourage you to let us know. We want to know. We want to know how we can pray for you. We want to know how we can guide you, how we can help equip you to to follow him. And so if you have done that today, send us a message at info.meadowbrookbaptist.org. Say, I've trusted in Jesus. Help me know what to do now. And, And one of our pastors will contact you and guide you in that process of following Christ. Trust in Jesus today. But perhaps there's others that are watching, listening, that still have questions. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you're not sure about who Jesus is. Maybe you're wrestling with that truth. Maybe you're not sure that you want to submit your life to him. Maybe you're not sure that he is the son of God and savior of the world, that he gave his life for you on the cross and has been raised from the dead. Uh, But you've got questions about it. Send us a message, info.meadowbrookbaptist.org and One of our pastors will follow up with you as well. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. We want to guide you in any way that we can. It would be our privilege to contact you. And finally, I dare say that there are many others that are participating in worship today who have trusted in Jesus for life and salvation, but who may not be living like it today. Sure, you're participating in online church, but you're not content. Not content. Not today. Maybe you're no longer content in Christ alone. Perhaps you're consumed with other things. Maybe you're consumed with anxiety or fear. Maybe you're battling addiction or a sense of hopelessness or helplessness or loneliness. Maybe your present mood or outlook is directly tied to your present earthly circumstances. Brother, sister, let us hear our Savior's words anew and afresh today. Let us hear these words from the good shepherd, Jesus the Christ, who said, My sheep listen to my voice. He said, I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. Friends, these are good news. This is good news. These are words of comfort. These are words of assurance. These are words of of hope and and compassion that that Christ has for his people, for all those who profess faith in him. Let's hear these words again today, and let's be a people who rest in Jesus today. Believer, rest in Jesus today. Rest in him. Let's stop chasing after false securities Let's stop uh, running after uh, fleeting passions or cheap imitations or counterfeit gods. Let's run to Jesus, the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Let's long for more of the one who provides us the path to God. Let's long for more of the one who shows God to us, who demonstrates God to us, who is God with us. And let's run to the one who grants us eternal life, lasting life, true life. Let's run to Jesus today. Friends, we have hope in him. He is our hope. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our confession. He's worthy of our submission. He's worthy of our prayers. So let's bow before him now. Let's sing his praises now. Let's lay our lives. Let's express our faith in him today for he is worthy of our praise and he cares for us. He's with us. He loves us. He knows us and he gives life to us. And so Father, we thank you today for giving life to us in Jesus. Father, we thank you today for showing yourself to us, your character and your will to us in Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Lord, we confess today that he is Lord, that he is Lord of all, that you alone are God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are one. And Lord, it's our desire to submit to you and to serve you and to find joy and delight and satisfaction in worshiping you. And so now we express our hope in you through song. Lord, lead us, stir us, move us to sing your praise and to run after you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.